0: Is everybody doing this morning? Are we doing good? Can we give our worship team a round of applause? I say our worship team because, like Amber was saying, uh, I'm not really a special guest. I'm, a, I'm more like a crazy uncle. And so uh, I, I consider myself family. Thank goodness Walt and Joanne still consider me family, although there's still time. There's still time. We'll see after today's message if they... Uh, they still think that. But uh, anyway, it's so good to be here with you guys. Uh, it really is an honor and a privilege. Uh, like I said, my, my name's Braden, and my wife could not be here with me today. We're the, we're the senior pastors of our New Life Church. We've got a campus in Midland, Texas. I've been there about 10 years now. Uh, August will actually celebrate 10 years. And then we've got another campus in Lubbock, Texas. My wife and I moved there almost three years ago, and uh, the Lord had put a A word in our heart about planting churches and moving to Lubbock and Lubbock was going to be the hub. And so we've got uh, a plan to plant five more churches before it's all said and done. And so uh, as you can imagine, we've got our work cut out with us or or cut out for us, but uh, I did bring someone with me. I brought my daughter with me, Susanna Grace Connor is here. Go ahead and stand up, say hi to everybody. It's not, a, it's not a super big deal, but she's going to college next year on a full volleyball scholarship, not that big of a deal. Um, also, she's single. And um, we are still looking for the right one. And so, um, if you're here today and you're single, 18 to 23, six three and above, preferably athletic, bonus if you own a ranch. That part's for me. We would love to meet you at the end of this service. So, um, <laughs> And she'll never come with me again when I travel. So anyway, seriously, it's so good to be with you guys. I was telling Pastor Daniel uh, earlier, I uh, had an interesting thing happen to start. Well, at the end last year, actually, um, I was talking with my overseers. In fact, just so you know, your pastor, Pastor Walt's one of my he's my pastor, but also one of the overseers, uh, my personal overseers, and I have another overseer in Sacramento, California, Banning-Leapshire. Uh, some of you have listened to their music. How many of you guys know Jesus Culture music? Uh, they're okay. Uh, I think they're going downhill, but yeah. Um, don't tell him I said that. Um, no, Danny and Walt have been overseers of mine for quite some time. And uh, towards the in- middle, middle of last year, I uh, was, was talking to them and uh, just sharing some things that were on not just my heart, but on Leanne's heart. And they felt like I should go on a sabbatical. And so on September 13th, I had an elders meeting and then shut down my email addresses, everything, and did not show back up to church until uh, really almost December. I had almost a four-month-long uh, sabbatical, and to be quite honest with you, it was incredible. I've been in full-time ministry for 17 years, never had a sabbatical or extended time uh, of absence, anything like that. And so, uh, to be honest with you, didn't think I needed it, needed it, and didn't really want it. And so, when they told me, "Hey, I think you need to take some time off," my first response was, "No, you take time off." You know, <laughs> but no, <laughs> uh, I did. But one of the best things that's ever happened to me and my wife—we spent some time, uh, honestly, just working on us, and uh, you know. As pastors, sometimes you can spend so much time working on other people, you forget to work on yourself. And man, it was so good for us. We spent some time, uh, got a marriage counselor. We weren't like on the verge of divorce or anything like that. It wasn't, it wasn't about that. It was about really investing uh, in, into us. And I, I think it's been, uh, I, one of the reasons I actually am bringing this up is because I actually want you to know that just because somebody stands on this stage and wears a microphone doesn't mean they're not a human being. And I just want you to understand that it's actually okay if you're not okay. But by the power of God, it's not okay that you stay not okay. And God wants to do miracles in your life and he has a plan for your life. And, uh, and so we did, we, just, we, we got some counselors, we went through some counseling. I had a guy, she had a guy, it was intense. Uh, she had a girl actually, uh, it was a couple. We met together once a week Then I would meet with him once a week, she would meet with the lady once a week. We, we really dug in and got some incredible things done. Uh, we are happier now than we've ever been. We celebrated 20-year anniversary in December. Uh, so we made it. <laughs> you know how we celebrated 20 years? We caught 15 marlin in Cabo, Mexico. So just for the record, that's a good way to spend your 20th anniversary, in case you're wondering. But, uh, so anyway, incredible, incredible time for us. Came back with some clarity. I was even telling Pastor Daniel, man, I, in that season, I just kind of a... Uh, I I don't even want to call it a rebirth, but even like a kind of an igniting of a secret place lifestyle in me completely changed my schedule. Uh, I I don't even take meetings in the mornings anymore, spend all morning in prayer and worship and in the word. And man, I'm telling you, some things are really happening in in my life and subsequently in the church. And so uh, really excited about that. Um, I want to share this a little bit with you because it's going to launch us into what I want to talk about today. Uh, About December, I kind of started focusing my attention back towards uh, our church, what God had for us, what we were uh, moving towards. And, and the Lord directed me to Revelations chapter two. If you got your Bibles, you can open to Revelations chapter two. Um, but what was interesting about this is when he, when he directed me to Revelations chapter two, uh, because of my understanding, at least some understanding around the idea of the redemptive gifts, uh, I know that I'm a redemptive gift prophet. Uh, It's not the same as like a five-fold prophet. I swear I won't tear my clothes off and light my hair on fire at any point today, uh, I promise. Uh, But as a redemptive gift prophet, I knew that uh, there are things in Scripture, especially the, or I shouldn't say especially, one of the things in Scripture, the seven churches in the book of Revelations, uh, they can tell you a lot about you. If you know your redemptive gift, if your redemptive gift is prophet, that's the first gift mentioned, then your life can often uh, closely follow the first church there, in the book of Revelations. There's a lot of wisdom that can be gained there. And so when he took me to Revelations chapter two, I knew he wanted to talk to me, but as as a leader of a church, I also knew that he wanted to talk to me and get my attention so he could redirect our church and get our church's attention as well. And so I wanna read to you Revelations chapter two, starting in verse one. It says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say are apostles and are not and have found them liars. You have persevered and have patience. You have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Do the first works. Let's just all say that together. Do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove the lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, first of all, some people get, get scared when they go to the book of Revelations. Uh, I, I would propose to you if you really pay close attention to this scripture, the, verse, the first part of it's very encouraging. When I read it, knowing that the Lord was talking to me, I was actually very encouraged. I felt like the Lord was saying to me, hey, I've seen your works. I've seen what you've been doing. I've seen how you've labored. I've seen how you've uh, not given up. I've seen how you've identified false prophets and had the courage to come against those that wouldn't tell the truth. And and in a lot of ways, that's been a part of my life. And unfortunately, in some ways, uh, but it was almost like the Lord was saying, hey, I want you to know you're doing a good job. However, I have something I need to say. And what he said was what he said right here, which is, "Remember from where you've fallen, repent and do the first works." And he really highlighted that word to me, Do the first works." Many of you wouldn't know this, but when we started our church almost 10 years ago, uh, right before that I'd had a radical visitation from the Lord, and the Lord actually showed up. The Lord Jesus himself showed up to me uh, on a Sunday morning, it was the most fascinating experiences of my life. Uh, and that began a journey. I won't go into the details of that, but that began a journey for me and strange to say I'd been a Christian basically my whole life but in that moment something happened where I finally knew who Jesus really was I I saw things that I had never seen I felt things I had never felt and all of a sudden it's like the gospel was new to me for the first time Jesus was new to me and I began to pursue understanding true understanding around Jesus grace and the finished work Of the cross and 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 I could not get enough of it and it was out of that that our church was born Renew Life Church was born and uh, when we started the church this is the Lord was very clear to me he said this is all I want you to preach preach Jesus grace and the finished work of the cross Uh, I'll just say this you can't preach preach Jesus grace and the finished work of the cross and not preach love because it was Jesus grace and the finished work of the cross that's there to connect us to the love of a Heavenly Father And so what happened to me in in that season was, man, I was just getting wrecked on a daily. Like I remember going into my office multiple times uh, where I would go in to study, and within seconds, I'm laying on the ground weeping just in the presence of God, saturated with the love of God because I was looking at Jesus and studying Jesus and talking about Jesus, and Jesus is the way to the Father. And man, I I tell you, it was a a phenomenal experience. But what was interesting about this is as we began to pursue, well, first of all, we spent two years. The Lord wouldn't let me preach anything else. And for about two years, it was just this, uh, the church was growing, things were happening, but there came a moment there where I, I, I had discovered something in Scripture, a Scripture... Um, that talks about how God set these gifts in the church, first apostles, second prophets, then teachers. After that, miracles, healings, administrations, helps, and various kinds of tongues. Now, I won't go into the apostle, prophet, teacher thing right now, but what I noticed when I was reading this scripture, it says God set these gifts in the church. There was a blueprint for the church. He talked about three of the five-fold office ministry gifts, but then he went straight to miracles and healing. Miracles and healing. And what I became aware of is, we don't even make room for miracles. We, we talk about it at, you know, at a distance. We keep miracles and healing at a distance. We keep the things that we don't fully understand at, at a bit of a distance. But what I noticed in that moment is that I had not fully embraced God's plan for the church. I was still somewhat after my plan for the church. And man, in, a, in, a, in just a moment, I repented and I said, Lord, I don't know what this looks like, but whatever it is, we're gonna go after it. And after two years of doing nothing but preaching Jesus, I took this scripture to our church and an interesting thing began to happen. Uh, You might call it revival. There's lots of different words for it, but things began to happen in our church that I had never seen happen before. People were being healed every single Sunday. People were being set free every single Sunday. I remember once we were just uh, just going after with everything that we had. I remember one particular day, we, were, we had hired a film crew to come in and film our services uh, just to capture some B-roll footage so that we could put together an Easter promo. And at the end of the service, this guy, non-believer uh, at the time, actually, I think he may have been a believer, but he was definitely running from the Lord, he, tells, he told us later. But he, we had hired his company to come. He was standing right here on the front row, uh, or right at the front of the stage, actually, filming me as I was closing the service. And... Um, I said hey before we close today just a a bit of a word of knowledge I explained what a word of knowledge was this is just God's way of saying he sees you we know God sees us but do you know that God sees you and sometimes words of knowledge are to remind us that he sees us, he knows us, he cares about us individually and I said so I I have a bit of a word of of knowledge here I I believe there's somebody here that has pain in the right side of their jaw And, and this was back when they still held cameras like this you know, not like this. So he had this big camera on his shoulder, and I'll never forget. I, I said, Is there anybody in here that you got right pain in, pain in your right jaw? The Lord wants to heal that. And he he just stopped and he put his camera down, and he just kind of does like this. I, I, I mean, that's me? I, I think so. And I was like, Oh, man, that's great. And uh, I said, We're going to pray and believe God's going to do a miracle. And so we prayed for him right there, and the church just stretched out their hands. I think some other people came and gathered around and laid their hands on him and uh, at the time my wife was the director of media department and so <laughs> after the service was over I, I went up and I said man kind of crazy that the Lord gave us a word of knowledge for our our camera crew how are they uh, how's how's everything going did you talk to the, the camera guy and she goes oh yeah he's freaking out and I said dang it man I was hoping he would, that wouldn't happen she goes no no he's freaking out because I I went back there and talked to him and he said, literally, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. So I was clear he was freaking out. Um, and she said, but why was freaking out? was because he came in, he had been diagnosed with TMJ and for years had had this clicking in his jaw. And as soon as we prayed for him, he was healed. And, um, was incredible that we, we, we had spent so much time building a foundation of Jesus of grace, the finished work of the cross, that invited the love of God in and what i 've come to know now is that I believe that that created such a boldness in our righteousness that we actually had permission to ask our heavenly Father for things. It elevated our faith so that we could see miracles happen in our church and if i 'm just being really honest with you uh, I don't know that we stayed the course the way that we were supposed to. In fact, I would even go so far as to say, the reason the Lord brought me back to Revelations chapter two was because we did not stay the course in the way that we were, in, we were supposed to. Um, you know, the word revival is kind of a sexy word right now, if you know what I'm talking about. It's, like, it's a word that a lot of people are throwing around, and I would just propose that there is no, so, there is no such scripture that tells us that we're supposed to pursue revival. In fact, you'd be hard pressed to even find the word revival. In fact, if, if you go back and look at the New Testament, there didn't need to be revival because there was revival. <laughs> they didn't have to read. The Holy Spirit fell in the upper room, and the, and, and things began to happen, and and and, and so that is. When I think we talk about revival, I know that our hearts are pure, that things are right. We're wanting to see the, the power of God manifest, the Holy Spirit have his way. And I want all of those things. But I would just propose to you that we're not supposed to pursue revival. We're supposed to pursue Jesus. And when you pursue Jesus, the fruit is revival. And I felt that so strongly when the Lord said this in, to me in Revelations chapter 2. And he said, repent and return to your first works. Now, this part may not be as, as powerful to you, but he said, unless I remove your lampstand. The lampstand is the power of God. It's the anointing of God. It's God waving his hand and saying, hey, I'm with these guys. <laughs> and I'll just tell you this, you want a lampstand. So when God says, repent and do your first works, or I'm gonna come take your lampstand, you know what you should do? Repent and do your first works and keep your lampstand. <laughs> And so I think that that's something that we've been after. We've, since we've come back in January, man, we've just really tried to get our focus back right on, on really pursuing Jesus and keeping Jesus the main, main thing, the chief cornerstone of everything we're doing. We're seeing things happen again that we haven't seen in a long time. I, a crazy story, a couple Sundays ago in our Midland service, full on, uh, had an amazing worship service, second row, uh, this lady begins to manifest a demon and this demon through this lady begins to mock the guy that was doing ministry time. And this it's, it sounds crazy, in fact, it, it was crazy. Um, I had actually left the room to go put my microphone on and I came back in the middle of the room and all this was going on. And I, I, this, I hear this lady, well it wasn't the lady, it was actually the demon in the lady, and Cody was doing ministry time and this demon was going meh, 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 meh. And Cody, Cody I'm, I don't know if y'all know my campus pastor Midland, Cody don't play like that. You don't talk to Cody like that, you know? And so Cody just began to cast that demon out. He said, you come out of her right now. And man, and stuff was going on. Well, I come in the room and see, you know, I hear Cody in the front of the stage pointing at somebody on the second row and say, you come out of her right now in Jesus' name. And I was like, whoa, what I, what I missed?" you know? I wasn't gone that long, you know? And went to the sound booth. I asked our sound guy. I said, hey, uh, what's, what's going on here? And he's like, um, hey, um, I said, it's a manifestation. Yep, yep. I think it's one of those. I'm pretty sure it's one of those. Uh, I never had this happen in our church before. And, man, she, she began to fall on the ground. She threw up everywhere. We had ushers running with towels. It was, it was a scene straight out of a movie. And, uh, and so, man, the church responded so well. The church all stretched her hands forward and went to believe in God. After about five minutes, that sucker came out of her. She went limp. We had some prayer partners and ushers pick her up and take her to the back. Church was celebrating. We took her to the back. We're praying for her. We've met with her several times since, making sure she's good. And uh, craziest thing happened. You know, I was supposed to preach that day. And I, I don't know if you would, could understand this, but it's really hard to preach a normal message after you see that. And so, uh, man, all I could think about doing was just coming up and reading Mark chapter 16, and these signs shall follow him who believes. And you know what the first thing it says that will follow him who believes? They will cast out demons. So today, no, we're not actually gonna there today. I said that. I said these signs shall follow him who believes they'll cast out demons. The church goes bonkers. The power of God fell. We didn't even have church. Well, we had church, but not the kind of church we're used to having. Power of God fell. Next thing you know, I'm laid out on the stage on the on the steps where there was prayer, there was worship, people running to the front, repenting, people getting healed. The power of God fell. I I just want you guys to know I'm up for some messy church. I'm up for some messy church because here's what I know: what happens in messy church. God's got more control than I do. You know why there's not more messy churches? Because people are in control of the services. And man, I just, again, I'm up for crazy, and I just want you to join me in, in faith right now as we just ask the Lord to just show up however he chooses to show up in the rest of this service. I have no agenda other than to surrender my life to the Holy Spirit. I would invite you to do the same. Holy Spirit, we just come to you right now, and we believe we, first of all, we believe and know that you're here with us. And I don't want to take another moment of time without honoring the presence of God in this room. Honoring the presence of God in this room. Lord, we don't ever want to move past the fact that you're with us. You went through hell so that we could live in heaven. And not just heaven someday in the sweet by and by. Just like you told your disciples, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Lord, we just honor you in this place. We honor your presence. We desire to see things happen today that we've never seen happen before. We desire to encounter you in ways we've never encountered you before. We desire to see you in the scriptures, to experience you in a way. The the understanding of scriptures is not just so that we can be puffed up in knowledge. It's so that, like Moses said, Lord, show us your ways so that we can know you. And Lord, we desire to know you. We desire to know you in every way possible. Lord, have your way in the rest of this service. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You guys good with that? All right, I, um, I wanna to talk to you today for the rest of my time, uh, which says 13 minutes, but they don't mean that. They really, they really don't mean that. Um. <laughs> I wanna to talk to you today about intimacy with God. Uh, there's something that's been really strong on my heart. Uh, it's actually our number one core value at our church, intimacy with God. It's something I've been really leaning into, felt really called to, to bring this to you today. I wanna to start with just something that I wrote. The Lord had me write this as just a bit of an introduction into this teaching, into this message, intimacy with God. It is my belief that intimacy with God is the reason for our existence. We were not created as mere means of service, but rather the objects of his love and affection. He wanted to be close to us, to interact with us. He wanted covenant friendships that he could share his secrets with. He wanted lovers that he could share his life with and lavish with his kindness. It was never God's intention to create the world that we would live in on his own. Instead, he created a system, a divine order, and then he invited us to join him, co-labor with him, to colonize the earth with the kingdom of heaven. Much like a husband and a wife come together to build a life with each other that they could have never built on their own, God wanted to build something with us, not just for us. Intimacy with God begins with the inseparable connection that comes only through the finished work of the cross and Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, God poured out his love in us and on us, and once we've truly known and experienced his love, it becomes inevitably clear that the only reasonable response is to return it back to him the best we know how. The more of his love we're aware of and receive, the more we have to give back to him and the more we know how to. However, it's impossible to know true intimacy with God by simply receiving his love. There is no such thing as one-sided love. I'm sorry, there is such a thing as one-sided love, but there's no such thing as one-sided intimacy. Intimacy is the result of the exchange of love in close proximity, therefore, we will never know intimacy with Him until we get close to Him, in His presence. And love is both coming to us from Him and to Him from us. His love coming to us is perfect; it's eternal and it knows no boundaries. Therefore, the greatest hindrances of perfect, sorry, of intimacy, will always be either our ability to receive His love, our willingness and ability to give it back, or our ability to enter and stay in his presence. With this in mind, we should all endeavor to create create and cultivate an environment in our lives and in our churches that promote the awareness of God's love above all else, removing hindrances to receiving it, and inspiring passion and eagerness to return it. We should be a people who longs for and lives in his presence, as there is no such thing as intimacy from a distance. In his presence, in close proximity, we have the opportunity to experience the fullness of his love, the fullness of what we were created to be, we can experience true intimacy with God. Can I get an amen? amen. Um, just felt like I was supposed to start with that, uh, start with that today. Um, for us to fully understand, well, first of all, you have to understand God is after you. <laughs> God is after you. Uh, when, when, when you. When you say, you know, the, the Lord, fa- you know, I found the Lord, the Lord was not lost. You didn't find him. You finally surrendered to the chase and gave in. And he's after you. He wants a relationship with you. And and to fully understand exactly how he wants to relate with us, we actually have to go all the way back to the beginning, to the Garden of Eden. There's nothing, there's no better example of really what God's plan is for our lives than the Garden of Eden. Uh, if you look in the Garden of Eden, it is super clear that we were created for intimacy. We were created for intimacy. Uh, we were, even the, the posture of our, our natural flesh, it says that when we were created, when Adam and Eve were created, uh, they were created uh, naked, but they were they were unashamed. Now, for you married couples in here today, I just want you to know that it has been my desire and for most men in here, it's been our desire more than anything to bring our marriages back to God's original plan because we think we should be naked all the time. And this is something that I'm telling you, I think will help your marriage out a ton. I've been talking to my wife about this for years and I said, honey, I'm telling you, this is not for me. This is to serve him. We should not have any clothes on right now. That's the way we were created, and, and right now she's in rebellion. She doesn't see it the way I see it all the time. Some of you husbands know, come on, husbands, don't you see? We're, we're doing this for the kingdom, right? I mean, come on. Um, but all jokes aside, we were created in a very vulnerable state, a very transparent state, and yet there was no shame. Uh, we were not created to serve God, that's another thing that I find interesting there. In fact, you won't, go, and you won't see serving God as a part of the equation, you see co-laboring with God. Serving was for angels, co-laboring was for humans. Hebrews chapter one, verse 13 and 14 says, and to which, to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit Salvation. Notice how the Lord uh, uh, delineates here human beings and angels. Angels were made to serve. We, will, we were made to be sons. Are we good with that so far? We were created as children. I mean, and here's what I've learned. I, I didn't have children one day because I was looking out at my yard saying, I really need somebody to mow that grass. I know what I'll do. That's not why you had kids. Kids was not, you you didn't go, you didn't have kids because you needed work done. There was something in your heart, there was something longing on the inside of you for something more, for a relationship, to, to have children of your own, and I propose that that same desire that's in you was the same desire that was in our father. He didn't just want someone to get work done for him, he wanted someone to work with him, someone he could pass along the family business to. That was his desire all along. He wanted relationship with you like sons, sons and daughters. However, um, because he wanted that love relationship with you, he had to create choice at least one choice. Because where there is no choice, there can be no love. Where there is no choice, there can be no love. God created the tree of the knowledge of good and evil not to control man, but to give man the opportunity to choose him. Because if man could choose him, man could love him. He desired to have this exchange of love with humanity. He desired to have intimacy. However, when sin came, shame showed up. And when shame showed up, so did disconnection. What was the first thing that happened to Adam and Eve when they they sinned? They ate of the fruit. They were aware of their nakedness. And it says they went and hid. Two people that had never thought to hide from God, to disconnect from God, that they had any reason to be ashamed of anything. All of a sudden, they were hiding from God. Sin creates shame, shame creates disconnection. Peter, same thing you, you see when Peter was being recruited as a disciple. Jesus shows up on the shore. Uh, There's that whole miraculous catch a fish thing. Peter all of a sudden realizes he's dealing with somebody special. He comes to the shore, falls to his knees, and what does he say to Jesus? I'm ready to follow you wherever wherever you want me to go. No, that's not what he said. He said, Lord, depart from me, because I'm a sinful man. What does shame make us want us to do? What What does our awareness of our sin make us wanna do? Run away from God. Get away from God, disconnect from God. I propose that when we are sin conscious, we want to run from God. But when we are righteous conscious, we want to run to him. When we're more aware of our sin than we are of our righteousness, we'll spend more time hiding from God than we do what the scripture says, come boldly before the throne of grace and receive mercy. We, how our relationship with God should be how two and three year olds relate with their parents. When they see their parents, they come running they come running. There's no shame, there's no fear. That's what it should be like in terms of our relationship with God. So God needed us righteous. He needed us in right standing with him so that he could reestablish that connection. It's kind of a two-fold thing. One, we couldn't be aware of our shame because our own shame causes us to disconnect from God, but also God had a plan not just to be around us but to be in us and to be joined to us. And so for God to join his spirit to our spirit the way that he did when we received Jesus, our spirits had to be perfected because if our spirits were not perfect, when we joined with God, God was no longer perfect. Did you understand that? What was one of the big things for God making us perfect, making us holy so that he could join and not defile his own self? He made us perfect so that he could join us and him stay perfect. Perfect. God began this recovery mission, if you will. In 1 John chapter four, we're gonna read this today in 1 John four chapter nine, or chapter four verse nine. It says, in this the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one else has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. That's what I was just talking about. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in in his love abides in God and God in him. Side note, God's love is not like Christian kindergarten. It's not like we ever, we, we don't ever move past the point where, hey, I get it, God loves me. Can we go on to something different? I Just understand this. Uh, in the kingdom, prophecy is, Tongues, interpretation of tongues, signs, wonders, and miracles is not for the big kids and love for the, the newborns. The Bible says what? He who receives his love and abides in his love. What does that mean? Stay there. You gotta stay right there. On, a, on, the, on, the, on the regular, you're gonna have to come back and remind yourself to f- and, and eat of the love of God, receive of the love of God, behold Jesus and receive the love of the Father. You have to remain in that place. This is not kindergarten stuff. I, if, let me ask you this. Who in here ever still occasionally gets embarrassed about something? Then you are not fully immersed in the love of God. Because you know what embarrassment is? Fear of man. Embarrassment is fear of man. An emotion creeps up on the inside of you because you are now afraid of what another human being might think about you. And now that this human being thinks this about you, how might they treat me? That's what embarrassment is. But you know what scripture says? Perfect love casts out all fear. Until you're never embarrassed again, you haven't received all the love that's available to you. Now ask yourself this question, what might, what might your life look like if you were afraid of nothing, fearing no one? What might you go after? What might you do? How, how much more likely might you be to see someone in, con, in a convenience store on crutches and walk up to them and lay hands on them and maybe see them recover if you weren't thinking about what if it doesn't work? What if I look crazy? What, what, what are people gonna think about me? How much more confident might you be at a family reunion when all of a sudden a bunch of gossip breaks out? Because I mean, we all know how that goes. <laughs> How much more confident might you be to say, hey, 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 maybe we, shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't be talking about someone behind their back. God hates strife. Now again, this is not about coming and, and equipping judgment. It's about equipping courage. Because when you don't care what anybody else thinks, except for the one whose opinion matters the most, it's crazy the things that you'll be willing to do. Love is not kindergarten, <laughs> Moving on, verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. I just got through quoting that because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. We'll, we'll start to close right here and, and I, I just a couple things that we see here in this, this passage of scripture is just very clearly that Jesus, what Jesus did and even who Jesus was is an indicator of exactly how much God loves us. He, he sent his only son and gave up his son so he could have a relationship with us. I don't, how many guys in here have seen the or watched any of the series, The Chosen? Anybody seen that? I almost hate to admit this but I, I had seen a couple uh, of the I'd seen a couple of the episodes at one point, but then, I don't know, I got distracted. I I didn't really watch them, and and the other day, um, I had been in, honestly, I had gone to our apartment in Midland. I had a service to do that Wednesday, and I had been there all morning in prayer, all morning in worship, and honestly, I'd kind of gotten to the point where I was like, I just was saturated. I was so saturated in the things of God, and I I was like, I don't know if I can pray one more prayer right now. And I don't know if I can listen to one word more word, and I just, but I wanted to stay in his presence. I didn't want to start leaking, and so I, I kind of wanted to stay in mode, and I just had the craziest thought. I was like, I'm gonna watch The Chosen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go watch that. And uh, I don't know why I thought about it, but I did. And I got on there, and I started watching it, all of a sudden something hit me this time that didn't hit me the first time and if you've seen the show you would know if you haven't seen the show I'd encourage you to go watch it but all of a sudden it dawned on me as I was watching this which I think they do a phenomenal job of of portraying Jesus in this way but what I began to notice is that everything he did wasn't to demonstrate his power it was to demonstrate his love it's like it in a way it, it, it humanized him in one way but his, the power of his divinity was shown in the fact that everything he did was not for attention, not to show people how incredible he was, not to show off, everything he did was for love. There was an episode there where, uh, the, the episode I think was called Let the, Let the Little Children Come. And it was showing how Jesus was engaging and interacting with young people. And, and I, I'm just being honest with you, man, I wept through most of that episode just like watching Jesus love these kids. Watching, in fact, I'm, one of the things I try to do, uh, even in our church, I, I, I go back to our, uh, our children's area every, every, every Sunday, say hi to some of the kids, say hi to some of the teachers, let them know. I, I actually couldn't help myself. I went and did it in, in, at this church this morning. I, I poked my head, sorry, Joanne, I poked my head in the nursery, and a couple of ladies looked at me like I was a creeper, but uh, I promise I wasn't. <laughs> But it's, I, I, was loving, I was loving watching him interact with these kids. And at the very end, this one, one of the girls in the, in the, in the show, uh, he was talking, they were talking about toys or something. And uh, she said, we're, we don't come from a rich family. I don't, I don't get toys like this. And she had one little doll. And at the very end of the story, Jesus had handcrafted her this incredible little toy set. And I mean, I just almost audibly cried. And you know, grown men should not audibly cry. Like, if a tear falls, we can blame it on something else. But when you start making sounds, you need to grow up. And I felt, I mean, I was like, you know what I'm saying? It just, man, I, I just felt that love. And I, and I, as I watched the episodes, and when the, when the, when the, when the leper comes, and at first it does an incredible job of depicting the pain of the leper in his life because and how he's being at, outcast because of this condition. And when, he, when Jesus saw him, Jesus wasn't like, yes, this is my moment to show everybody who I am. All he could think about was, if you could see it in his eyes, he was broken for the leper. He was broken for him. I don't know what you're going through today, what, what your situation might be. It's probably not leprosy, it's, it's probably not that, it, but we all have things that are issues in our life, our defects in our life, our broken places in our life, and I, I, what I want you to understand is Jesus hates that you're broken. He hates it, and part of his mission was to restore the brokenhearted not just from a position of power, but from a position of love. Jesus was a picture. How Jesus loved humanity while he was here. He told the disciples once, the disciples were like, hey, can, can we see the Father? And he's like, You bunch of knuckleheads, how long we've been here and you haven't realized it? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's why it's important that when we look in Scripture, we behold Jesus, we look at him, not just like a, with a passing glance, like we look at a stoplight so that we can get our instructions and move on. No, we behold him with faith and energy and anticipation because when we are beholding him, we are beholding the Father. When we see what Jesus did in Scripture, we're seeing what God wants to do in our lives. Jesus was an indicator of the love of God. Number two, and we'll close right here. I think this is just probably one of the most powerful aspects of the gospel. God went first. God went first. What did we read there in verse 19? We love him because what? He first loved us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, God was demonstrating his love by sending his son Jesus to die for us. That means God, God moved towards you while you were adamantly running away from him. Every single one of us can think of a time when we, you may be in that moment right now, you were in, no one would look at your life and say, that's a man in pursuit of God. That's a woman in pursuit of God. And every single one of us can tell a story about a time in our life when that was us. We were not in pursuit of him. But can I just tell you, there has never been a time that he's not been in pursuit of you. Not once. He didn't see you at your lowest point and go, okay, you know what, I'm just gonna let him be for a while. I'm gonna leave them alone for a while. When you you had that affair, God didn't stop walking towards you. When you cheated on your taxes, God didn't stop walking towards you. When your business failed because you made poor decisions and didn't see certain things coming, God didn't say, yeah, that's not really someone I can use anymore. If you have an addiction of any kind, God's not like, hey, I'm with you until you turn on that screen again or till you pick up that bottle again or till you pick up those pills again. I'm gonna leave, you do what you're gonna do, and then I'll be back when you're done with your sin. He's pursuing you while you're watching. He's pursuing you while you're consuming. You have no idea how passionately he's pursuing you at all times. And here's the beauty of this. Uh, This is a sweet message, no, 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 no. The Bible says it is the goodness of God that leads all men to repentance. It is the goodness of God. And repentance, by the way, is not feeling bad about what you've done. It's changing what you do moving forward. Every single one of us would say, I've got areas in my life. I want them to change moving forward. Even if it's something as simple as like, you know, I'm pursuing God. I love God. I'm not living in sin, but I want to pursue him more earnestly. Do you know what's gonna cause you to pursue him more earnestly? The goodness of God. It's the goodness of God. I'm just gonna ask you to go ahead and stand to your feet uh, as we kind of start to wrap this up. This, I had a, a pretty interesting thing happen this week. Actually never had it happen this way, but um, I was, this was like last, I don't know, Wednesday or so, Wednesday or Thursday. And I was just praying over this, this service today, the, what, what the Lord would have me say. I was praying over uh, just Pastor Walt and Joanne and, and, and the Life Church and all the things that it's meant to me and just blessing that. And, uh, but as I began to pray for the, for the service, um, and I had a super clear prophetic word, and I, in, in this prophetic word, I saw a gentleman, and this guy, had, he was kind of an, uh, an older gentleman, and... He had a beard, had kind of an old trucker hat facing forward, and he had a pearl snap shirt on. And all of a sudden in this vision, this open, I was walking into HEB, and in this vision all of a sudden I saw the guy take his uh, pearl snaps and he began to pop the pearl snaps open. And as he began to open up his shirt, it was the strangest thing. On the inside was a, almost looked like a girl's T-shirt, and it was a unicorn. And there was this big colorful unicorn Uh, on his undershirt. And as soon as I saw that picture of that unicorn, the Lord spoke to me. He said, there's at least somebody, maybe somebody's plural, who have something on the inside of them, a dream on the inside of them, that it's a unicorn to them. And they've never shown anybody what they were dreaming about. They've never even dared to say, hey, there's this thing I have in my heart. There's something I've been thinking about. There's this business I want. There's this person uh, I. They've even dared. I'm even getting this right now, dared to even admit I want to be married again. I'm here to tell you, the Lord came to restore the unicorns on the inside of you. To restore those dreams you're almost embarrassed. I mean, if you're a grown man, you don't need to be wearing no unicorn T-shirt. Let's just be honest. <laughs> but it wasn't about. The, it wasn't about that. It's about that thing that's on the inside of you that says, man, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to even let that dream out. And I believe with all of my heart, the Lord came to restore unicorn dreams in people's hearts. And so if that's you, I, and I, I think we need to have a little courage today. We're, gonna, we're not going to do the whole, hey, everybody close your eyes and bow your head because we don't want to embarrass anybody. I, I really do desire to have a, a, a faith response and a faith reaction. And I, again, I think that's, I don't think it was just one guy. There, there, there may be one guy in particular that I was, that I was seeing. But I, I, if you can respond to this and you would say, you know what, I, I think, I think there might, that might be it. There, there are dreams in my heart. There are things that I want. Maybe you've been believing God. Maybe are you, there was a season where you're believing God for a, a baby to get pregnant and it just didn't happen So for so long that all of a sudden you just buttoned that unicorn on the inside of you never to be seen again. If you're in here today and you say, and, and, and here's why I'm going, here's what I think the Lord's doing. It may be. I think he's trying to restore your belief in his love so that you'll start believing again. He loves you so much, he cares about what's going on on the inside. If that's you and you say, man, I, I think there's some dreams in my heart that I've let die and I want, I want a restoration of those dreams. And if that's you, just raise your hand. You say, I, I, I know that's me. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Lord, I'm asking you right now to begin is to breathe faith in this room. Breathe hope into this room. For those who think that the mistake that they've made have cost them that dream, Lord, I just say there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And they can do all things through Christ who gives them the strength to do it. Lord, I just declare over them they are not qualified because of their works. They're not qualified because of their obedience. They are qualified for this dream because of their belief in Jesus that purified their their spirit once and for all, that recreated their spirit perfect again. They are no longer the person that made a mistake. They are equal to the Son of God in heaven. And I'm not saying that because that's what I believe. I'm saying it's because that's what you said. As he is in heaven, so are we on this earth. And Jesus is seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father in a place of favor, in a place where he can ask the Father anything he wants, and he can have it. We tell the story of the prodigal son, but it's we made that part up. It's not the story of the prodigal son. It's the story of two sons and we're comfortable with the story of someone running from God and repenting. What we're not comfortable with is someone being told, hey, you've always had access to everything that I have, you just didn't take advantage of it. Today, I declare we are sons and daughters that take advantage of our position in the Father's house. We are not afraid to ask for the unicorn dreams that are on the inside of our hearts. Yes, Lord, just breathe faith into this room today in Jesus' name. If you're believing God for for a child, everybody put your hands down. If you're believing God for a child, just put your hand right back up. Is there anybody in here that's believing God for a child? One there, some there, some there. I want every if you're around that any of these people, I want you to lay your hands on them. This is what family does, and I want you to. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. I want you to pray for this person like you'd pray for yourself. Lord, we just released the spirit of testimony right now. I have three kids. The last one was told it was impossible. We were told that we were no longer able to have kids, but we had a prophetic word that we would have kids. And lo and behold, that miracle showed up. She was perfect. She was healthy. She wasn't supposed to be here, but for four years now, she's been here large and in charge. And I just declare that testimony over your life that if something was said to be impossible, nothing is impossible with him. We declare it possible right now in Jesus' name. Hope be restored, belief be restored, dreams be restored. There's no such thing as it's too late. There's no such thing as it's too late. I declare the body of Jesus over any part of the body, whether it's the guy or the girl that needs to be reconciled, that needs to be healed, that needs to be restored. We speak life into that body right now in Jesus' name. up there, and let's just go ahead and close our eyes for just one more second. I do want to go ahead and do this. If you're in here, and pay close attention to what I'm about to say, because your brain might think, I know where this part of the service is going, but I want you to hear what I'm actually going to say. I want to know if you've ever made Jesus the Lord of your life. This is not about believing in God. I don't need to know if you believe in God, because at one point in history, a third of the angels who were not, didn't, they didn't have to believe in God. They were with him. They chose to no longer follow him. And if you're in here and you say, you know, I don't know if I've ever made that conscious decision to say, you know what, Lord? From this day forward, it's your way or no way. I'm going to follow you. I'm not just going to believe in you. I'm going to follow you. The Bible says, go into all the world, make disciples of the nations. You know what disciples do? They follow Jesus. They follow Jesus. They don't just believe he exists, they follow him. Other religions believe he exists, they won't follow him. And if you're in here and you say, you know what? I don't know that I've ever decided once and for all, I'm going to follow Jesus. If you want to make that decision today to be a follower of Jesus, just raise your hand. So I need to make that decision today. I see that hand, awesome, awesome. Okay, lots of hands going up, I see that hand. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Tons of people. Thank you, young lady. Awesome, awesome. Incredible, incredible. Man, there must be 30 or 40 hands going up. That's incredible. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. All of heaven is celebrating. All of heaven is celebrating. Oh, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, we celebrate today the lives that have been changed. Now, every single person that raised your hand, I want you to just pray this prayer with me. Say, Father in heaven, let's pray it all together. Say, Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe you sent your son to die on a cross, because you desired relationship, connection, and intimacy with me. So today, I choose Jesus. I choose to follow Jesus. I lay my will down, and I pick up his. From this day forward, I'm not just a Christian. I'm a disciple, and I'm a follower of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can we celebrate what God's done so far in this service?